Hello and welcome to the Talk Derby to Me podcast. I'm Blake Fellows. Today we've got Paul Williams, former Derby and Coventry midfielder and then later centre-half. Joining us, went on to manage Forest for a short time. Uh, been on the coaching staff at Brentford, Birmingham. Uh, was recently at Norwich. We had a good laugh talking about his time and the YTS scheme at, at Derby County and, and coming through and some of his memories of playing under Arthur Cox and his friendship with, with Craig Ramage. I know they're really good mates. We had a good laugh about about Rama, so we'll get into Paul Williams shortly. As ever, this uh, this podcast don't pay for itself. Money doesn't grow on trees, so thank you to Connect Red, to SMJ Brady, and to Elite Football Development. As ever, backing us, keeping us going. Three Derby companies, absolutely smashing it. They're on our social media as everyone to go check them out. Let's get into it. Let's have a listen to what Paul Williams had to say when we caught up with him a couple of weeks ago. Paul Williams. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Uh, how are you? How's life during these these crazy times? I'm good, to be fair. Um, I'm working with a company. Um, it's formed by um, 11 ex-Premier League players where we're trying to help the current and former players um, along along their, their careers. A lot of um, former players having a second career. So we've got a training arm that we're going to try and help um, players to educate themselves, obviously like I've done in COVID. And also um, for the younger players, we do stuff like mentoring, um, financial talks, because a lot of these things, and a lot of stories that you hear, you know, um, it's tough for the younger lads to keep up the perception of being a professional footballer and um, get, into, get into debt quite early on and also addiction. So we, we're just trying to, trying to format that. COVID's not helped, but we're trying to make the most of it at the minute. What was the inspiration for you to, to get involved with that? I think it's just, it's just, we all got together and we all got a similar story down the line in terms of um, things that don't happen in football. You know, so like there's little, I know there's a lot of dark, dark arts in football in the game, but there's a lot of dark arts off the pitch too that is a trap for a lot of people. So we're just trying to um, help, help them, especially the next generation, make sure they don't, they don't fall into the traps that a lot of football was on. You do a lot of research and there's a lot of um, divorce, bankruptcy and addictions, when, especially when people finish football their careers and also during their career so hope we can highlight that and, and make, make a difference to even one player is going to be going to be beneficial that's amazing that's amazing and where where did it all start for you then football wise can you remember first getting involved in the game in in Burton Trent all them all them years ago yeah so um, my local team um, my older brother played for St Mary's and I can only remember the yellow kit we used to play in all the time so um, that's what I remembered so I was I used to I joined the group at um under 10s, St Mary's, and I played there for quite a long time, maybe five years. Our manager was Ken Woodgett and his son played. No, it was, it was great time. We had playing football. It was a tough league. We were playing in Burn. So, yeah, that was, that was in the early days, St Mary's, we used to play for. Was, it, was there a moment, or can you remember being particularly good or, or better than, than the other lads? No, not really. I don't, I don't, we had a, a really, like you're saying, the league was strong. We had a good team. But for me, it was always about trying to, trying to be the best and, get, and getting better all the time. So in terms of um, me actually sensing if I was the best or not, I, I didn't see it like that. I just wanted to try and, try and be the best I, I could be really. How did you go from St Mary's and, and playing locally to, to being involved at, at Derby County? Did you get spotted, the, the traditional old-fashioned route of... No, so I've been playing at St Mary's for a while, and, and I think under 15s, I designed, I I went to um, I went to Misham, played for Misham, um, and during that time, I I'd been at dot, been spotted, and I, had, I remember um, vividly the, the letter coming through the post asking me to come for a trial at, at Rainsway. So obviously, um, 
I was really happy about that and went and went went through training. Um, we had um, Ken Guttridge, Richie Williams, and John John Groves was a, was a coach. So from then on, I, I passed and got through training. And every Monday and Wednesday, would go to um, Grand Marina and, and play at night time and, and be coached. And so, what, how did you find? How did you find? making a step up and, and playing in the youth team initially, obviously some big characters uh, around at that time. What are your memories of being ar around them, them boys? It was, so, so we were, um, I remember, um, at, so we'd go back to schoolboy and I was, I was an under 16s and hopefully trying to get a, um, a YTS at Derby. We, we had the like, so we'd go in at half term and obviously the apprentices would, would be there. And like the wonder boy there was Craig Ramage. Um, they had Scott Green, um, Nick Rafferty. They had, had a really good, really good youth team, really strong. So it was daunting going there as an under-16s and, and seeing the apprentices being there. And obviously, like, knowing Craig Ramage and not being shy, he, I've had a few, not episodes, but, like, he, he, would, he would speak to me quite a bit. And, like, obviously being the, the, the wonder boy of Derby, it, it was like, like, you, you get, you get um, to be accepted more. And, like, knowing Craig was, was a, a big thing for me. Was Craig as much of a nightmare as I can imagine him being at about 17, 18? Because he's a nightmare now at 50. So <laughs> I can imagine him in the changing room. First and foremost, he was so talented. It was ridiculous. It was. He, he could pass a ball wherever. He had a touch like nobody's and he could pass a ball wherever he wanted to. But, um, and that was on the playing side. Rammer has, has been brilliant. He's, he's been, been a backbone for me. He's such a, such a, a nice, nice lad and he's down to work. And, and what I like about him is honest, and, and he's just he'll tell he'll t he used to tell me what he thought, which which was I, I like the trait. I remember like um, my first three months I was there, me and him were on the away way dressing room. So obviously as an apprentice, you have to clean the room, clean the toilets, mop and sweep the away dressing room, and dust also. So um, I remember. So our youth Ken Gucci says, if you do these jobs properly, you'll you'll play really well. So. That was it. So Rama being a second year, used to get the Sun newspaper and sit on the sit on the bench and let me do all the jobs. And he, I remember him saying like yesterday, Jossie, if you do your jobs properly, you'll play really well. And he used to sit, he, he sat on the bench until um, after the first three months, Roy McBarlam walked in and caught him with his feet up on the desk, um, read, on the on the medical table, sorry, reading reading the Sun. And he said, what's happening here? I said, Roy, I've been doing, what jo I've been doing this job for three months now. I still can't get in a team. So me and Rama, that was the end of me and Rama doing jobs together. He had to, he had to go to a different room. That's incredible. It's incredible. He's, um, he's genuinely like he's helped me out no end. Obviously from our time at, at Radio Derby and, and getting to know him, and he is he's a proper genuine lad, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's he's, he's very funny too. He's got a really good sense of humour, and like many times, like you laugh, but I, I used to laugh from from the stomach with him. He he was generally very very funny, very very funny. At this point, it might sound a bit strange, but I have had to make an edit for legal reasons, so I've had to take a little bit out. Anyway, here's the rest of the podcast. Growing up, like we were just talking about um, when you came through and, and kind of the old ways of doing things, like the apprentices you know, cleaning the, the dressing rooms and things like that, was... Was racism kind of the norm then? Was it like just a casual, fairly normal thing for a young black football to experience? Yeah, I think it was. But but the difference was it was in your face. There's not many people hiding it, you know. And um, whether whether it was banter or whether it was animosity, 
it was it was just um, there, like, and where it's more, um, it wasn't more less subconscious. It was just more conscious of people knew what they were saying and, and, and said it for for a reason of making other people laugh or or reason that, that to try and put you off your game. So they were things that were prevalent in in in, in that era. Did you find it harder um, being a young black footballer to to make it, or did you have to have thicker skin to kind of ignore the comments or? Like, like I spoke to you before, like, so, so when, when I, I'd um, received anything um, towards my colour, that just spurred me on. I just wanted to make sure that, like, you know, whether it was a, a, an away fan, make sure I played well enough that, like, I can look him in the eyes after the game when I'm walking off and say, yeah, I made, I made an, um, an eye impact at the game today, or, or whether it was, was a teammate. It's just to make sure that, no, I'll be, I'll be in that first team before you. And, and that's how I saw it. It was it was something that like you know just got to walk off a duck's back, as they say, just not let it affect you as a person or define you as a person. Just make sure that you use it like fire in your stomach, kind of thing. And just finally on Craig Ramage, um, I spoke to him on the phone last night, and he's taking credit for the Jossie nickname. He reckons he came up with it. What's he like? He's always always looking for credit, isn't he? No, <laughs> to be fair to me, he did come up with it. He he um, he was the first one. Because obviously Josie Moore scored that um, goal in, in the um, World Cup against Ireland. So yeah, I, I can, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. He can have that one. Rana. All right, fair play. And uh, he'll probably start, he'll switch off now anyway because he only wants to listen to. Like, yeah, it's not about him, mate. That's it now, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Be anyway, it. I'll turn that off now. You're <laughs> yeah. back on YouTube, googling, <laughs> googling himself scoring penalties for Watford against Derby. Yeah. Didn't, did, did, didn't he? Did he dive against you when he played for Watford? He died, Rama died every day, single day of training. It was, it was nothing new and more for me for, for getting sucked in by him because he knew, he knew what he was going to do. But that, that was that's Rama all over. That's Rama all over. Lovely, right? So we can say goodbye to Craig Ramage, who's now switched this off. And um, how did you first get into into the first team at Derby? Uh, can you remember your debut? Uh, me, 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 actual debut. So um, months before, I, I went on loan to Lincoln first. Oh. Um, I spent a month there with Colin Murphy and that, that was um, a re- really good um, grounding for me really because obviously like you, you were in the old first division the top league and then you go to um, Lincoln and you find out that, that that's real football where people are paying, playing for their lives and like you know days when you're a young lad and you kind of not, not train as hard as you can you go to, go to Lincoln and you understand why people train like they play and it means it means the world to them so that was a really good um airing for me and then so I came back and fortunately I was on the bench against Crystal Palace and I came on and we drew one all and then the next game it was against Arsenal and um yeah that's when I made my debut at right wing did you find it a, like a step up from obviously youth team reserves Lincoln and then to make your debut the dog yeah, it, it was but a lot of it was um, a lot of emotions going through. And lucky enough, um, I had a really good manager at the time who didn't name a team till late, so I didn't know I was starting, which 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 was which was good because I think I'd I'd have been thinking about it all 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 week really. So um, yeah, I got named on the day and just just went out. And one thing my my dad said to me: you just need to go and enjoy it and not not worry about about the day. And that, and that's what I did. Um, virtually went went out there and just played played the best I could be. Are there memories and, and favourite memories you look back on it 
your time at Derby <coughs> that stand out? Excuse me, uh, that stand out. Obviously, I think you scored a, a hat trick. Lots of them. I've, I've got fond memories of Derby, not not just let alone um, playing, but like my my YTS was was one of the best times we had. We had a, a close knit, knit of lads and different different characters, and it, it was at times it was um, it, it had all the emotions. So you, you, you'd have there's funny times like Stevie Taylor again, a local lad. He had a great sense of humour. John Davidson, who's a kit man now at Derby, um, Rama, Scott Green, Nick Rafferty, they were all, all year. And then we had Steve Round, John Simmons were in my year. So it was a great group of lads who were really close. But like I think with any any football club, the banter was 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 ridiculous. But the camaraderie was also also really good. Do you think you've been involved in in football still? I mean, recently at, at Norwich and, and around academies. Do you think there's something to be said about the, the old YTS and how things used to be and the character building of how you get it or, or have things evolved now? For me, I think things have evolved. I think it worked for, for, for this gener- the generation that I was in, you know, because it was all about proving people wrong and, you know, we'd get challenged mentally, physically and technically through football. Even socially, we got, we got challenged in all those areas. But I think now with, with the generation that we've got now, I think we've got to adapt our style differently. I think maybe it's not um, beating them with a stick all the time. I think it's co- 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 coercing them into into uh, getting ownership of their own careers and helping them, supporting them, and even mentoring them at times to get to where they want to get to. So um, I understand um, your question in terms of that, but it worked. It worked for our generation. It worked for me. It worked. It was. It was exactly what I needed. So obviously um, now I try never to be late. Something that I learned very quickly, and maybe it's sometimes a harsh way with with at Derby, where if, if you're late, so simple things like um, doing your players' boots and make sure they're on the sack and it's on, on the bus. And if it's not, the bus is going without you. Mm-hmm. So you soon learn to be, be first one on the bus, make sure you're done. So um, our skills were given to it. How you said it worked for you, how important was, was Arthur Cox and, and, it, and obviously Roy McFarland was there as well. How, how important was Arthur? Arthur Cox was instrumental for me, he was. And... He probably not admit it, but a lot of lads, um, Rammer will mention him. Like, he used to call me the son of, son of Arthur because like, he took me under his wing quite, quite soon. I, I used to clean um, the manager's boots and Mark Wright's, so I had the captain and the manager's boots to do as, as, as a YTS. But Arthur, Arthur Cox, he kept me in line. He did. He, he, he knew when to um, give me a bit of praise and he knew when to beat me with a stick and he knew when like to, to meet me halfway around. Like I, I spoke to someone last week. Um, whenever he didn't think I was I was performing in training, then he'd go and tell tell um, the bus to, to um, go without me, and I'd have to run back to, to um, from Rainsway all the way back. But but he knew that that's what I needed. He was. But like on other times, he'd say things that like he'd have me put in his hands. And obviously, like the best art of a manager is getting someone to run through a brick wall for him. And I, I would certainly have done that for other cops. I thought it was amazing um, when the stuff we mentioned previously with with Rama and um, was obviously in the papers and Rama got a phone call and it was Arthur Cox still 30 years later. What have you been up to, son? Talk to me. And all yeah. this. And even that, that is he just shows the man, like what a man to be. He's still doing for him and, and, and what Arthur, Arthur Cox was, he was, he was honest. And you always knew it was coming from, a, whether it was good or bad, you knew it was coming from a good place. I remember um, also... So my hair was quite thick, I know I've not, not on it now, but it's quite thick. So I had it cut off and I had a line put in there 
and I remember um, walking past the office and Arthur Cox called me in, in his office and there, there was a pause and Arthur, Arthur says, um, what have you done, son? I said, oh, Gekko just cut me here and had a line put in. He said, um, if you want to be different, son, score 30 goals a season. <laughs> and walked out. <laughs> it's what I needed at the time. It was, it was amazing. He, 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 was, he was really, really instrumental. Really instrumental. It's amazing. Yeah, it's brilliant. And the more, it's, it's slightly before my time, but the more stories I hear about him from all different players, it's just, it's incredible how he was. He's, a, he's an amazing man, even to this day. And, and I, speak, I speak to, um, I don't call him Arthur, the gaffer. I speak to him um, sometimes. He's just got that. He just he's got that aura about him, and, he, and just commands respect. He he was a, a really good man first and foremost, and a good manager. So you you go into the team, making your debut on on the right wing, as you said, and then a goal scoring midfielder, uh, scoring hat tricks and, mm-hmm. scoring, and scoring goals for Derby. How do you how do you end up being converted to to centre half? How does that come about? So um, Arthur Gaffer left then, or no, was on. Um, he had a bad back, so he, he wasn't a tra- So Roy took over. So I was playing um, centre midfield, and Darren Moss had got injured. I can't remember who we were playing. It might be Crystal Palace. So um, I ended up playing back there with Shorty. And I have to say, Shorty made it so, so easy for me playing with him. Another talented lad, strong, aggressive. And to be fair, he made me look, look better than I was. Shorty did. He, 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 we, had a re- we struck up a really, really good partnership. And he made, he made the transition really smooth for me. And then after that, I, I didn't play many games in midfield. After that, Roy, Roy had kept me back at centre-back, which again was, was um, an honour coming from a player of Roy McCollum's calibre, thinking that I could play in that position. Did you feel at home then? Did you become, do you feel like you became a centre-half? Was it hard at first and then you made the role your own? Um, yes and no. I think, I think there's more, more of being, make sure you could be adaptable and, no respect to, to the management staff. There wasn't a lot of coaching. So it's self, self. You learn from every single game. We learned a lot from Shorty. And we're fortunate. We also had Michael Forsyth. Again, was, was around. And he tells me, you can just speak to people. So again, learning the game was, was part and parcel of, of that generation. And just before your, your time um, ended at Derby, was the, the playoff final, uh, Leicester. Uh, yeah. I think you probably get asked about it all the time. So I'm sorry to bring it up, but it's something that... No, no like, like I said, I, suppose, I speak to a lot of people talk, talk about this. And it was, that was a devastating day for me. But like, and, and this is, please don't think this is an excuse. The, the t- I've never played on, obviously played on Wembley Turf and it was really dry that day. And when, when the ball bounced up, I thought it was going to bounce better than it did. And it didn't. And I thought I'd be able to head this way comfortably. And then, then it came in the last minute and obviously went to the net which made it one all, And then um, obviously Leicester scored a bit later on and, and won the game. And I remember that week, like it was yesterday, it was, it was horrendous times because obviously your mind runs away that you're able to play in the top league again. And we had a really, really good team. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a nucleus of, of young players where, where we might be able to actually achieve something within the top league. But um, yeah, it was, a, it was a disappointing day and devastating for me personally, obviously being a local lad also. How did your time at Derby come to an end then? Uh, can you remember? Yeah, it, it was because um, I think the, the Premier League had been formed um, a year or two years earlier. And like I just mentioned, there was a lot, we had a really good team and the likes of Tommy Johnson, Gary Charles, Craig 
we're all, all left and playing in the Premier League and enjoying life. And I, I was just like no other, just wanting to try and pit yourself against um, people in the Premier League. Obviously, um, I experienced a lot, a lot of the lads um, playing with the 21s at England, the likes of Alan Shearer and um, Paul Warhorse and all those players, David James. So I wanted to try and pit myself against them. I, and like I've said this on, on um, many occasions, I regret the way, way I, le I left Derby because obviously being a local lad and like Derby is and was close to my heart then whereas I, I felt I maybe I, I didn't explain to the fans um, well enough the reasons why I wanted to leave and there was was a lot of stuff going around the reasons why the reasons why is that if, if I was a man on the street and wanted to, to become better at the work then you'd, you'd do anything to try, try and get to, get to that level and it wasn't about money at all it was about getting the opportunity because I didn't sign for Coventry for much more money than I was on at Derby the fact that I just wanted to try myself against against the best and if I failed I failed but at least I'd, I'd, I'd always know Any regrets from your, your time at Derby? Um, not one just the way I left um, I should have explained to the fans but not at all it was a great um, built, built a lot of blocks for me in terms of being a better person and a better, better footballer by, by comparison what was it like in the Premier League at that time? Because uh, mid to late nineties, an, um, an unbelievable standard in some some unbelievable players. Yeah, and again, <laughs> it's strange because you can talk about wanting to play against the best players, but then when when you're actually there, and I remember we played. I signed for Coventry maybe two weeks before the season started, and we we're playing Newcastle away, and they had Shearer and Ferdinand up front, and then I, I we got beat three 0 that day, and it was like, now you're here, welcome to the Premier League kind of thing. And then you'd, you'd um, get that game out of your way and then it'd be like Arsenal next week, Ian Wright and all those players. So yeah, it was it was a formidable league and, and like I enjoyed every minute of playing in the Premier League and challenging myself and wanting to be better. I wouldn't say I was the best player in, in the in in the team or in the league, but I, I tried tried to do my best every single game. It was a great platform for me to try and be better. Finishing your, uh, coming out of playing, and you've, you've obviously been involved um, in in quite a few clubs and the coaching side of it. And is that is that what you want to do now? Is it management and coaching? Is is that the ultimate the ultimate aim? No, I enjoy um, trying to trying to help people. Um, obviously, coaching was was a vehicle for for me to do that. So I remember um, playing the last game and coming back and. Like retirement was 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 tough for me personally because like having imagine having 19, 20 years of being told where to be. So like we'd get off the bus on a Saturday, have a day off on Sunday, and the last thing you do, the manager say, "I'll oh, see you Monday normal time, or see you Monday at a certain time." You finish playing, and that's that's gone. You don't actually belong to anyone. Like so, so for instance, sake, I was saying I was at Derby. You've got a badge on your on your um, chest. That's who you belong to. That's who you're associated with. And then you come back, and you're not. You no longer. You don't. You no longer have that. And not even told where to be. And a lot of things that get get done for your clubs. You find out for the first time how to do things. And this is why also we've set this company up to try and try to try to alleviate um, people that they, that players can actually achieve things and do things. So going back to to that um, retirement was really tough. So I knew I'd, I knew I'd wanted to go into coaching because during my time in football, I, I'd, I'd had, um, especially um, younger ages, had coaches that, that would tell you if you'd done wrong or right. And again, this is probably a generation thing. 
where I was, I was more surging. So I know I've got it wrong because I know I did. But like, how do I get better? How do I, um, how do I eradicate stuff like that? So that was my kind of aim. So I, I went into coaching. I remember um, writing a letter to Grimsby because they were looking for a new manager. And I got a letter back saying, um, unfortunately, you've been unsuccessful with your um, application. You don't seem to have the qualifications. So then I went on, on learning, obviously, coaching. I coached at Wolves, but I, I was on a, a crusade to get all my badges, every single badge going. So I, I ended up, and, and, to, and to this day, qualified um, pro license, all the badges, youth awards, and all those that, that um, the FA could offer. And um, that's been my journey. So I was fortunate, again, I went to Southampton. I, I moved down to Southampton and um, coached under 11s and 12s and then got um, pushed up with Dodsey, Jason Dodd, uh, um, under 18 levels. And we came across a, um, a really, really good group of players. Again, who, who ultimately, alongside, by the way, um, not saying it's mine and Dodds' work, but Maurizio Potticino, who was employed by uh, Nick Cortese, gave that pathway for young players to, to startle and play in his team. And um, he's very influential on... Uh, Maurizio was very influential on me as a coach also. I remember I used to just be mesmerised by the sessions he used to put on. I used to, used to just watch from afar and also ask him questions about, about his philosophy and how he coaches and, and the person that he is. So, um, yeah, I was fortunate along those lines of being at Southampton at that time. I left there and went to Brentford. It was unfortunate at Southampton, actually, because um, obviously Les Reed and Martin Hunter came in after Michael Cortese left and they sacked um, me and Jason. Again, we'd had a successful pathway with the youth team um, at the hands of Mitzio and probably thought we were the safest youth team coaches in the country and obviously... Um, Les Reed and Martin Hunter wanted to go a different way. Um, ultimately went to Brentford and, and again, coaching in the, in the um, championship with Brentford, again, a really, really good club. They have a specialised way of, of doing things. It taught me lots and lots and lots. It, did. it, was, it was a brilliant club. And then, um, do you want me to go on? Yeah, yeah, keep going. <laughs> I went to Nottingham Boys after that. Oh, actually, no, don't keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it's been a pleasure. See you later, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure. See you. Um, yeah, um, I went to went to Boys and that, and again, that 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 is on its own problems in terms of um, my family and friends, obviously going going across um, Brian Clough Way. But um, again, that was that was a fantastic time in terms of learning. Um, I was Dougie Freeman's assistant, and um, once the chairman sat to me, asked me to to take over. Which again was was an honour. And please, Derby fans, don't write in and say it's a bad thing. Walking in the boardroom um, to sign my contract, and they've got two European Cups there, it was a special moment for me. So, um, obviously, like having the chance to um, take the club out of the relegation area and finish uh, mid-table was was a, a really good feat for me. And I, I had, in the meantime, been working with England. Also, again, unfortunate again. So I was doing the under 16 with Dan Machichi, worked to Phil Foden. Jalen Sancho, um, Brian Session, to name lots of other players in that age group. And I do that part-time. So I left Forest after the last game of the season. I went to um, work for England full-time. And it, it was strange again. And again, for, I keep mentioning this word, fortunate, that I was with um, Steve Cooper, Cooper with the under-17s. I maybe done there for two weeks. I hadn't even done a camp with them. And um, I got moved to the under-20s with A.D. Boothroyd. 
And then within weeks, Sam Allardyce, you know the episode that he obviously mm -hmm. left the FA. Gareth went from the 21s up and AD went to the 21s. And I remember walking past um, at St George's Park and Dan Ashworth asked me into his office and said, um, we want you to take the, the 20s again, which was that special moment again, you know, um, being a national coach for your teams. And like I'll mention it again, fortunate the team was um, Karen Loon, who's doing really well, Tammy Abrams, um, Mayton Niles, Lewis Cook, Armstrong, who's Blackburn, scoring goals for fun. We, we, we had a fortune to have a really good team. And um, I took those to a tournament in Manchester. What we, we won, we beat um, Holland, USA in games and we won that tournament. So then um, we end up, the World Cup's going to happen for these under 20s within the summer. And, and maybe, I think it was in October, no, September, no, November window. Um, we went to a pre-tournament in Korea. That's where the World Cup was being hold, held. So we went there and um, I, I, we come back. I think we come second in that tournament. I, we come back and I, I've got a, a missed call on my mobile phone. Obviously, like it was, it was a 13-hour flight, so we had a few phone calls. And one of them was from uh, Swansea um, asking me to go to speak to them. And it was a big decision for me, really, because I didn't quite know if I was, I was going to be the coach to take, take the under-20s to, to the World Cup. Nothing had been said along those lines. But how many times a chance to coach in the Premier League came along? So I decided to go and, go and have a conversation. I spoke to England and I said, could I go and speak to them? And, and they said, yeah. So I spoke to um, Swansea and accepted their position as assistant manager with Bob Bradley. Again, um, working with the players there was, was fantastic and learned a lot. You know, you walked in the dressing room and you, you've got, now got to try and um, gain the confidence that you know what you're doing with Gilby Sigerson, um, Lorente, who'd won World Cups and, and um, Euro. So that was, that was, again, another good learning curve for me. And it worked, the coaching side worked out really well. Unfortunately, the results didn't work out for Bob, which was a shame. So um, we got... So then me and... Um, Curtis was um, named as um, joint management team for two games. We lost against um, Bournemouth and then we beat um, Crystal Palace. Funny enough, that was against um, um, Sam Allardyce. And then they named um, ex-Derby manager Paul Clement as manager. So obviously, like, he had brought his own staff in and, and I, I was service to requirements. So I left. I left then. And then just had, had jobs like at Birmingham with Lee Carsley, who's a really good really good friend, obviously played at Derby. And he was like, in a, he was a, a couple of years younger than me in terms of a YTS. Yeah, so we, we had gotten him, we'd always stayed in touch throughout our time. So he, he got named manager at Birmingham or interim manager after Harry Redknapp. And I, I was fortunate to be, um, he asked me to come and work with him. And that was, that was I really enjoy working with him. He's a talented, talented coach, really talented coach. And, and one day we'll, we'll make a, a really good manager. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I left. I went to Birmingham. I left there, and, and mostly it's just left Norwich. Obviously, like um, not not because of footballing matters. The fact was that like I, me, fam I was only seeing my family one day a week, and it, it gets the journey gets quite a bit. So I had to make a um, decision whether it was a family or football. And obviously, um, family comes first. Have you got any aspirations to to manage again one day? I love the chance to, to go back in. Like and like you. you at the start, at the start of this, you asked me what I've done. I think I'm a far better coach now from all the work that I've done. I've, I've accomplished like two counselling courses, um, leadership and management. Hopefully, going to be accepted on a, a, a masters.
for leadership and management very soon. So I've done a lot of a lot of um, soul searching, a lot of thinking, and, and I think ultimately I'm ready now to to go back in and be a better coach than ever. So again, I have got aspirations and, and really want to want to be, become a coach again. Brilliant! It's been uh, it's been absolutely amazing. I did I, I put it on social media that you were coming on and ask people for for questions, and I think the the biggest one was um, weirdly because it's a bit before my time and I I'm not aware of it, but how did you end up going in goal? Um, when Steve's, Steve's son goes off. That day was crazy. So not, not that long, it was, on, it was on TV, live on a Sunday afternoon. But like, I end up going in goal. So I, I remember the ball going down the lines. I think Steve Sutton came out of his goals. I think the lad might have nicked it past him and, and Sutton was um, wrestling with him. Obviously, like, you know what's coming up. And, and I, I just kind of know what's happening. So I'm not looking at the dugout. Because I know I can feel these eyes on the back of my neck, and I'm not looking. And obviously, like if you see someone's looking, you're, gonna, you're just going to try and turn around. And I happen to be in the centre circle, and I just looked over, and um, Arthur Cox pointed to me, pointed a goal. And I thought, oh, that was it. I'm going to goal here. I remember um, it wasn't that he had a new shirt. Sutty had to take his shirt off. I had his sweaty shirt on, and his gloves were really wet too. And I had those on too. So, and, and let alone, I said it was a bad day. I had to, I had to face a penalty. <laughs> The first thing I had to do, and, and I'm thinking to myself, what's happening here? Am I diving? Am I standing still or whatever? And, I'm, I, and I, I just make an half effort to try and, try and get... I don't think I moved. I think I went down on one knee or something like that, and the ball went in the corner net, and that was it. And that was the start of my goalkeeping career. And like I say, it, we, we, we lost... Simo scored a hat-trick, and we lost 4-3. I, I remember the last goal where um, I think the ball came in cross and, and a lad headed it. And I understand now why goalkeepers are mad. Because I was on the goal line and the ball was heading toward the far post. And it was either me banging my head against, against the post, and this is how brave I was in goal, or the ball going in. And the ball ended up in the back, hitting the post and going in, and I ended up on the other side of the, other side of the um, post. I weren't brave enough to be a goalkeeper. I found that out straight away. And like I say, it was the start of your goalkeeping career. Was it the start and the end? Within, within 30, 60 minutes of a game, it was, it was a start. But like, the thing was... I don't know if this influenced off the clock at the time, but sometimes after training, I'd go, I'd go and goal. And, but that, that's okay because the environment's safe in there in the training ground. You can tip balls around and post and all that stuff. Learn be all doing it in front of people live on TV. Wow, incredible. Um, another question that someone someone asked was, we spoke about the racism earlier on, a bit more of a serious question. Did you ever suffer racism from, from Derby fans? No. That's no. one thing. One thing never. No, not, like, not to my recollection, not at all. I, I personally thought I had a really good relationship with the fans. And like I said, the day I left maybe tarnished that in terms of the way I left. But my relationship with, with Derby fans was, was, was really good. Good. Um, just to finish, I wanted to speak briefly about someone I knew and I think someone you knew, Justin Phillips, who's a, a local Derby lad. Did you, did you play with him? Was he? Yeah, so we talked, spoke about Hattrick. Um, Justin scored the best goal of the day against Southampton. And... Um, Again, I, I, have, I have sad memories of the day. Obviously, personally, it might, might seem that it was a really good day, but like, I, I just remember Justin and being so happy for him that day. Justin and I had a tough time with the expectation of, of being and becoming a player. I think it was, it was the younger ages, Justin was playing with England and, and, and a lot of pressure was putting him to, to become a professional footballer in terms of you know, the perception that he'd done things and, and the transition was going to be smooth. Uh, so I was so pleased for him that he scored that day. And I remember Rama ringing me and telling me about it, and I didn't believe it that it happened about Justin. 
and he was he was a gentle giant. He'd do anything for anyone. Justin was a, a great lad, and it is a shame. And obviously, he had family that, that is left behind. But for me, I've got fond memories of Justin, and, and, and like you say, laughing. He was he was he was one of the one of the best lads, Justin. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we'll always always remember him, and and thank you for for joining us today uh, and giving us your time. I, I really really appreciate it. Um, I enjoyed it, Blake. Thank you very very much. No, I appreciate it, and um, obviously, it's been a pleasure, and we'll we'll get it out there. Um, he didn't disappoint. He didn't disappoint. Rama, Rama said you didn't have any banter, but you've proved him wrong. No, what's he like? He's got. He's, listen, just cut out the front sides a bit, mate, and then leave him out a bit. Leave Rama out, out of this interview. All Hang on a minute. I'll just tell you one. I had a phone call last night. Uh, one hour forty-five minutes. He was doing prep with me before. I'm speaking to. I'm, I'm texting. I'm speaking to Jossie tomorrow. Within about thirty seconds, the phone was going. The Ram, yeah. Ram dog. Yeah, but the thing was, mate, the album 45 was about him, not about, about me. The album ask 45 minutes was about him. Ask him, ask him about when, uh, when, I died, when I won the penalty. He, he was going, in, oh, ask him about this <laughs> and ask him about that. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you, Paul. That was absolutely brilliant. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Right. Bye. Cheers.